Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 114. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let's get started with today's episode. I am bringing back a guest who was on a few weeks ago talking about trauma, Dr. Carmen Roman, who is a psychologist practicing in San Jose, California. Carmen Roman is a psychologist who has years of experience of working in Mexico and she came to the U.S. and has been practicing here for about five years. Carmen uses transpersonal psychology, gestalt, and expressive arts. But today, what we were talking about is something that I think is pretty mysterious to most people, shamanism. And she talks about how shamanism relates to her cultural heritage, how she uses it in her work. And I think it's really interesting. I know for me, the first time I heard about shamanism, I was kind of afraid that it was something scary, mystical, dangerous. And now I have a completely different perspective about what shamanism is. Both before I talked with Carmen, I had developed a different perspective. And also after our conversation, I really have a deeper appreciation for what that work is. So let's go ahead and listen to my interview with Carmen and see if you can be creatively inspired by anything she has to share. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, 
I have a guest who you have heard from very recently because she interviewed me and I released it on my podcast and we also released it on her podcast. My guest today is Carmen Roman. Carmen, thanks so, thank you so much for being back on Therapy Chat today. My pleasure. I just love to chit chat with you. So we are having fun here and hopefully that helps somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this interview is going to be really interesting for people. I know I'm looking forward to it because one of the things that you do that's so interesting to me is working with a couple different types of therapy. I'll let you talk about them, but... Um, before we get into that, why don't you just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work? Well, I am um, I am Dr. Carmen Roman. I I work in San Jose, California. I have my private private practice. I also have a podcast and a Facebook um, radio show, Facebook Live <laughs> based, and. I have to license. That's something unique I can tell you about me. I have to license because this is life. Sometimes you need to reinvent yourself again. And um, I was, um, and I hold a group practice in Mexico for a couple of years, holding the space for other seven psychologists, seven, ten psychologists sometimes. Then I needed to move here to the United States and doesn't, doesn't translate, doesn't incorporate that license, then I needed to start all over again. I went to master and PhD here in transpersonal psychology and got the license in California. So you were already a licensed psychologist in Mexico for all the, all that time. And then you had to go back, get a master's and PhD here to be a licensed yes. psychologist here. Yes, I got licensed in 1998 and I got, I was uh, supervising other people and teaching in universities and doing my own private practice. But then coming here, uh, it really started from scratch. I was doing the copies and house sitting and cat sitting and everything while I attended the graduate studies again. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, but... I, I had the philosophy. I could sit and cry. Yeah. <laughs> or I could do something about it. And it was like in 10 years from now, I can just go back in my profession, which I love. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought your gifts here and took all of that time to get all that additional schooling so that you can practice here because I know what you're doing is very powerful and very meaningful. So, Tell our listeners about what types of methods you use in your therapy practice and maybe how they may relate to your work in Mexico. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, I specialized, first, first I specialized in, thera- in family therapy. Uh, my first specialization was that, and I work with families for many years. I still do. And then I specialize in gestalt therapy which is a lot of dancing and creativity and guided imaginary, believing in the here and now and all of these wonderful things. And then I, out of need of my own questions, my own looking for psychology that fits my clients, I found the transpersonal psychology. So I went to the master and PhD in transpersonal with a specialization in creativity. This is what I do. And how, how it looks in a therapist room, 
is I could put, I can ask my client to close their eyes and do um, uh, hypnotherapy or guided imagery or uh, something like that. Or I can go into their past and work into the psychoanalytic way. Or I can bring the entire family and talk about everybody in the family and their needs or as a couple. Or I can ask them to chant or pray or read or um, draw. They can draw also and we can all only in silent work with the drawing. Basically, it gave me a lot of tools to go one way or another. Yes, that's very interesting. And so, I mean, transpersonal therapy, what does that mean? Does that mean using a lot of different therapeutic styles or is it more about, I've had another guest who talked about transpersonal therapy, mm -hmm. but as you're talking about it, I'm just sort of trying to conceptualize. Yes. What happened is that transper the transpersonal theory itself will include all of these experiences, spiritual experiences that sometimes the field of psychology is new to it, like near death experiences out-of-the-body experiences, uh, shamanic journeys, all of these kind of experiences that are difficult to talk to a therapist sometimes. But also, based on my specialization in creativity, I work with non-words. I work with painting or drawing or clay or something that involves no words at all. And that, that basically came based on my specialization in Mexico already. But also when I move into this country, words were hard for me in English. That makes and sense. I, I, I needed to move myself without words. Yeah. And I learned a lot. So specializing in creativity brings me to that place of helping people when words are not enough for an experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I know that um, one of the things about nonverbal therapeutic techniques is that you can access emotions that the person doesn't have the words for, even if they speak the language fluently, but it may be more that it's nonverbal memories because it was from their earliest years. I guess we all go through that, whether you, we, we have a one language or many. But when you are dealing with a second language, that definitely is more often that we face that even in dreams. Yeah. Even in our dreams, we face with the descriptions that we cannot use one language or another. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is why I specialize in that. Okay. So what is the client population that you work with? Do you work with people who have a certain type of presenting issue that they bring and... Is it more um, a population of people who maybe English is their second language or, you know, those those kinds of experiences like immigrant experiences? My specialization in Mexico started by being uh, by working with clients who are victims of sexual abuse mm -hmm. and um, all of the components of uh, sexual abuse yeah, uh, or domestic violence. And I still work. I, I go every year still to work with the Jesuit community to the priests to work on their sexual abuse and prevent future sexual abuse. So I still do that. 
But when I came here and when I start working here, I cannot specialize, Laura, because there is so much need for Spanish speaking therapists. Yes. That a huge percentage of my population are Spanish speaking clients or families who are bilingual. Some, sometimes in the family, one person don't speak the other language. Mm -hmm. One or two people, they don't speak each other. I don't know how they communicate in their lives, but mm -hmm. in therapy, I need to work in both languages at the same time. So this is my specialization in couples, couples who are interracial couples, who one of them probably is from this country and the other are from a Latino country. Okay. So it has been lately the, the specialization that is required to, yeah, in my yeah, field. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is by default the what I am working with. I just want to take a moment to appreciate how difficult it must have been to come to this country and then take graduate studies in in a language that was not your native language and to learn all of that information in a different language. I I can only imagine. I mean, I do speak French kind of passably, you know, not mm -hmm. fluently. But to imagine learning to become a therapist in French sounds impossible. So, I mean, I just want to give you some appreciation for how complex that is and how complicated and difficult it must have been. I developed something that I call my sofa therapy. <laughs> and that means some days I couldn't take it anymore and just take the car, drive 10 minutes to my home. And get in the sofa and I will not get out of the sofa for a couple hours because I couldn't. I couldn't. It was just so hard. Uh, sometimes I brought the incorrect homework or I say something that it was totally incorrect or I repeat something that somebody already said. It was, it required a lot of good sense of humor from my cohort. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. We did it and, and it, was, it is very worth it. And I receive a lot of support from my faculties and my my mentors and colleagues and friends who did homeworks with me and supervised my English and it was it was common effort I must say mm. Mm -hmm. yeah so with your clients now I understand that you now have a less specialization so you're not specializing specifically in sexual abuse and domestic violence now but do you work with a lot of clients who have trauma. Deep trauma, Laura, because I work for the uh, California Victim Compensation Program, mm. which is victims of a crime. And also because uh, the Latino population, sometimes they keep for, for themselves how difficult life it is, especially when they don't have documents. They, they are undocumented in this country. So it's very deep trauma that I need to work with. Yeah. So people who really haven't been able to receive any help because of barriers to accessing services with lack of documentation or lack of trust in the, you know, whether they'll be safe mm -hmm. to receive help. Yes, this is actually one of the motivations I had to start the podcast and the Facebook Live, because some people, they will never go out and seek for help based on their status, immigration status. So that allows me to get into literally their homes, into their phones. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this is why I love the Facebook Live. Yeah. It's so wonderful that 
you're reaching people where they are, where they need help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you use transpersonal therapy with the clients you work with who have trauma? It helps me to start in the belief system that they have. Most of my clients have in their belief system the curandera or the herbal remedies or what was the first one the, they use curandera the healer oh um they use uh, they go to a healer instead of coming to a psychologist yeah um they they do in their own homes they are healers to each other and this is part of our Latino culture in general. It doesn't matter the level of education or, or it's just part of our culture is who we are. We heal ourselves with food and teeth and massage and all of this. So I, I incorporate all of these belief systems into my therapy. This is what I do. And also, um, slowly, I have been learning. I, I did studies in shamanism in Mexico. And I am slowly studying what does mean shamanism for the United States, yeah, what, which they borrow a lot from the Latino countries. Mm -hmm. So I am learning what does mean, the concepts that they use, etc. because something very beautiful about this country is that in this country we put it into, a, we put some thoughts about how to write about it, how to explain to others. In our culture, we don't do that much. We just do it. Yeah. And people learn by observing others. And uh, we don't we don't really have that technique of transferring the knowledge. So now I feel blessed because I come to this country and I recover what I learned before. So mm. it, it is very beautiful combination. Yes. So in your home culture, it's more passed on verbally, word of mouth and spoken and observed but not written and taught formally we're we always laugh my husband and i because and when i ask the women in my community how do you know when that dish or that recipe yeah i was asking to one of the women how do you know when the rice is ready yeah and she said well if you pay attention the rice will tell you and i was like uh okay how many <laughs> minutes it will be that <laughs> And it's true. If you pay attention, the rice will tell you. <laughs> but it took me a long time to figure out what she meant by that. Yeah. And this means to be present, to be present and to be philosophically speaking, to be one with the cook that you are doing. Yeah. Mm. With the food that you are preparing. So it is a deep sense of wisdom right there. Yeah. And I try to incorporate that sense of wisdom into the therapy with my clients, I, their own sense of wisdom. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I just hear such a, like a reverence for what people already know and bring instead of this typical, I'm the expert, you come, you tell me your problem, and I tell you what to do to fix your problem. If I... Um, behave like I'm the expert, which is which it could be because uh, physicians behave like they are experts, yeah, or the priests, for example, or some other cult, some other professions. If I behave like I'm the expert, 
probably I will gain some respect, but what happened and what I notice is I don't gain their trust. Mm. There are so many things that they wouldn't tell me because the expert psychiatrist, for example, will never know that the client is not taking their medicine. <laughs> they take whatever they want at the time they want and they give the medicine to others if they want to. Yeah. And uh, they will not say that to the psychiatrist because the psychiatrist is in the hospital. It has a, a image of expert. Yeah. But they, they would come and tell me. Yeah. You know, I have this medicine, but I really don't want to take it. Or I took it three, or I took one. <laughs> and we need to talk about how they use their meds, really. Right, because you really can't help someone if you don't know what they're yeah. actually doing with the information and the, you know, things that they're diagnosed with and they're prescribed and so on. And also I learned that as much as I have 46 years old now, I cannot compete with the wisdom of somebody who knows their life, yeah, or something. So I cannot compete with that. And my experience cannot be mirror their experience. So I try to leave aside that that kind of thinking about I am the expert. And at the same time, I need to be the expert. At the same time, I need to bring the knowledge that may help them. So sometimes I need to play the expert with them. Yeah. Sometimes I need to say, you shut up and listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you because can say I, that if you have someone's trust. Yes. And probably after I have someone's trust. But sometimes I really need to say, you know, just let me keep talking until you try to learn what I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is a balance. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So when you talk about that, you know, you had learned how shamanism is practiced in Mexico, and then you had to learn how it's practiced here. So what did you find? I found I, I haven't had training here. I haven't had any. I am still looking for a shaman that I can adhere myself to and, and gain some training. But my training in Mexico was very hands-on. And um, it was very, very demanding. It was, um, we were sharing a lot of our common life, yeah, with my shaman teacher. Because it was the way it be. He managed to incorporate himself into my life with his family and my way of being. So... For the chaman, at least for my chaman teacher, he believed that he was assigned his students. And then he needed to do all the effort to teach those students. So he found me instead of I found him. Hmm. Or probably my, my unconscious found him, if you want to put it in psychology terms. But, but he found me and he started being mentored without even telling me. It was a, a year later that I could put it into words and I could manage to ask if he was a chaman and I was learning because I didn't hear that before. But but also it helped me to recover the way I am because I grew up in a family where my, my, my family is coming from indigenous background and they have that wisdom from the mountains. And grew, I grew up in a extreme poverty. We were really um, 
in the very difficult part of the city, yeah? So for me to go out to school and to thrive in a school and to be psychologist, I, I hated my background. I was getting, um, I didn't want anything from my background. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted um, to forget that my mom will heal people with her tea or massages or listening to people in my community. Because for me, it was like, uh, that, that's not the way it's done. Once I learned in the university. And for my mom and my dad, they couldn't believe it. People will pay me to come and talk. <laughs> yeah, it was like, did they pay you to come and talk? And I just that. And they need to live in an hour. And, and you really ask them to leave? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> for them, they still don't make sense of it. They are still alive and they are like, really? <laughs> and you pay, you can pay the rent because of that? So I needed to learn and to appreciate my origin. And when I when Ernesto is my chaman teacher, when he appeared in my life, he needed to be respectful to that hateful part of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I was doing, I was already, do, I was a psychologist already when he appeared in my life. And I was very strong in my beliefs. I, I was doing family therapy, psychoanalysis. I was doing gestalt therapy. I was doing all these very strong therapies. So what I had is I had questions from my clients or something happened in my clients that I couldn't answer with any possible theory in psychology. Not at that time. I am talking about 15, 20 years ago. So I couldn't answer. I, I couldn't answer why they went out of their body. I couldn't answer why they went to a past life if we were working on their childhood. Or I couldn't answer why I had people who were dead in my office. Like I have the client and I could feel a person who is not present, who is a ghost, let's put it that way. And and when I describe that feeling, people will say it's my mom or it's my aunt or it's my dad or somebody. I have family members in the family therapy that was not present. Yeah. So you would say that you felt someone else was here. And when you described who you felt was there, they would say that's my mom or that's my mm -hmm. aunt, someone who was deceased. Someone who was deceased. Wow. And I and I felt very crazy. I felt like I cannot even keep saying that. Or oh, I will have dreams the night before about a client I will see the first time the next day. Mm. And I will have dreams about their topics or something, something that will help me with to navigate to that session. And I felt totally inadequate as a therapist. I was, I felt that I was betraying my career, my psychology training. So when Ernesto came into my life, and he started um, making or uh, earning my trust. I asked him those questions. Like, can I ask you something? <laughs> yeah, I was really sad, scared about asking. And he started asking more questions and I started explaining. And he, he had the answers that I was looking for. And um, eventually, after a year, after a year, all of these questions and answers, questions and answers, and Game together, doing some craft. We were doing crafts together. One day, he say, "I say, you know, um, are are you a chairman?" And he didn't answer because 
he used not to answer to my questions that were kind of foolish. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't answer. And I was like, okay, probably he is. And and then he say, I say, am I am in training with you? And he say, yes. And I, that was so strong for me. It was like, it took me a couple of days of getting in my head why, why I am training, what happened, uh, how I'm going to do a psychologist, my career over. <laughs> yeah. Because in Mexico, it was also very bad in the science aspect. And I was a family, a very well recognized faculty member. So I couldn't just think or believe anything. I needed to think or believe something that is evidence-based. Proven. Yeah. Proven. So I needed to do, to do peace with myself. And I actually started inviting students to my clinic. I will do teaching. I will do teaching the university about proven techniques in psychology. And I will invite them to the clinic for whoever wanted to learn something else. And we will do uh, rituals or dancing or, or drumming or shamanic journeys or something that couldn't be explained in the psychology field at that time. Yeah. So it was very, uh, I was very blessed with Ernesto's presence in my life. He, he taught me for four years. Uh, I, I was in a deep training with him for four years. He trained me how to do uh, mindful, how, how to be mindful. He asked me, for example, one of the homeworks he asked me was, you will ask your pinky finger, you will meditate every day as soon as you wake up, being silent and ask your pinky finger what you want for breakfast. <laughs> and he was like, hell no, I am not doing that. <laughs> Like, I'm going to talk to my finger. <laughs> yes. Why? <laughs> and like, and I have something else to do. <laughs> and he asked me to observe a candle and just concentrate on the fire of the candle. And until I get the candle to talk to me, it was the same. Like this woman is telling me, let the rice talk to you mm-hmm. yeah, when it's ready. And for me, it was like, sure. Yeah. You know, Ernesto, that was fun, but I'm not going to do that. And what happened is one day, Laura, I have a client. I, I don't go to the people's houses. And I never did, except in that very particular experience. I went to that client in her house uh, because that person was in really bad shape uh, in her health. And I worked with that person and I leave the session. I went to teach in my class in the university. And I traveled back to my city. It was two hours traveling. By the time I, fi- I finished my class and I went to my city, I was in fever, high fever. It was so bad that I could only take the bus and take the taxi to arrive to my home. And all I wanted was just to stay there until my fever passed. I, it didn't occur to me to go to the doctor. Yeah, it just I just wanted to disappear from the world and they didn't know what to do with my fever. When I when I appeared in my, when I came to my apartment, Ernesto and his wife and his daughter were in my apartment, were outside of my apartment waiting for me. I never called him. I never text him or anything. He knew that I was coming in that. He knew somehow. Yeah. So he took me into the apartment 
and the wife and the daughter, they all pray for me. They did a circle and pray for me and chant. And they did some air remedies. They they practically took me, yeah, and killed me. And I went into a trance. And I saw all kind of things in my trance, yeah. And then they waited until I feel better and they left the apartment. By the time I woke up, they were not there. So before that, Ernesto asked me for, he asked me to repeat every single aspect of that session. First of all, every aspect of the day until he come to the session. And then I needed to repeat every aspect of the session, like not the content of the client, but every aspect of what I say and how I move. And he realized that I touched the client at some point. I, I just reached to my client and touched her. But what he say is that what I did, it was an agreement with the mother death, or they, they call, you know, the la muerte, the death. I did an agreement with the death that I will take her sickness instead of her. And she say, you people, like you psychologists, <laughs> you people um, play that you can intervene and you don't trust the wisdom of your clients. So you didn't trust the wisdom of your client. She is that way because she need to, needs to do her negotiation. You don't do that for her. Yeah. So what happened is that I was dying because it was I, I brought it with me. And that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I learned to respect people's journeys in that sense, in the very heavy way. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure.
Um, so after that, I got in, and after that, trust me, I went to my pinky finger <laughs> and I start asking everything. And I went to the candle and I start doing my mindfulness practices. It really helped me to understand me and to understand what I am doing in this profession. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So this is why I believe so much in the power of shamanism in combination with psychology. Yeah, such a powerful story. And, you know, while you were talking about that, the things that were going through my mind were, one is that idea that we only believe what we can see and prove and, you know, scientific proof is such a, such an issue in Western culture and to be discounting the other part, the intuitive part mm -hmm. of ourselves. You know, it's like we only are in the cognitive intellectual part and we ignore the creative, intuitive mm -hmm. parts of ourselves. So then we're disconnected from that wisdom that's within us. And when we're disconnected from our own wisdom, we can't access other people's wisdom or accept it or believe in it, you know? Yes. Yes, and I suggest we sometimes are disconnected while cooking or we are disconnected while drawing because what I learn is if I paint and I am painting connected with the paint, the paint will tell me what to, what to paint. And if I am drawing, it happens the same. Or if I am cooking, yeah. Or if I am connected in some kind of mindful way to my car, I can negotiate with my car not to get problems when I am in the highway. It can give me the problems when it's in the, you know, park in my car, in my house. So it is, uh, it is many, op the, the world has so many opportunities for us to connect with. And we just probably waste a good number of them. Yeah. And this is what I learned. This is what I borrow from shamanism because for me, I believe shamanism has longer in this planet and than psychology and yes. it, it has some wisdom and of course I can go back to my theories in psychology and fill the gap what I need when I need or vice versa yeah I can I can go back and forth for me shamanism the shaman require a lot of practice and a lot of um, courage and, ded and dedication to be a shaman so I don't, I, I don't claim to have shamanism knowledge in that way because it requires really a full life of practice and dedication to which I am not willing because I am in my normal life and I need to have a license and all of these kind of things, yeah, and do a living and blah, blah, blah. So, and, and I don't intend to be, but I really feel I really feel happy going into that work and do that session of drumming for myself and doing a journey and then come back and work with my clients when needed or going and heal myself when I have difficult clients. Yes. I just, I'm so struck by what you're saying. For one thing, there are people who call themselves shaman because they have had training but it's not what you're talking about. It's not this, that person, this is their life. This is what they do. It's not just some training they had. It's what they are, you know? 
Yes. And I see why you don't want to identify yourself that way. And there are people who do identify themselves that way. And all they have done is actually learned formally some of the techniques. Actually, what was harder for me in my training with Ernesto was that it was not a training in the way we know. Mm-hmm. It was not test. It was no unilateral training. It was nothing There's no like manual. That. No manual, no anything. So he needed to blend with my life and with my story to teach me something. And I needed to blend with he and his story to learn something. So we spent a lot of time together. And he, at the same time, his wife and his daughter and some others. It was a lot of a group of mostly psychologists and physicians who were in training with him. We were literally spending days together. Yeah. And, and, and doing dinners together and doing so many things together, traveling together. Um, when we asked Ernesto, at some point, I think I was the most brave sometimes to ask uh, simple and foolish questions because one of my colleagues or one of my group in the group of training with him, he was very precise to ask questions, yeah, to ask more, more intellectual questions. I was more foolish and playing around probably. So I asked him, what does mean, are you a shaman? What is a shaman? Yeah, what is shamanism really? And he didn't answer. He took us into a hike. He prepared for us a, a trip, a group trip to a hike, a mountain. And we went to the hiking. And during the hiking, he started explaining the airs, the plants, the air. He started explaining all of these elements and how we blend with them and how they teach us and all of this. And then uh, we went to a river and we called the spirit of the water. We did some some calling for the spirit of the water. And it was some beautiful noise or or I would not say beautiful, scary noise. <laughs> At that time, it was for me, it was scary. It was a scary noise from the river and we ran. Yeah, <laughs> we ran because we were so scared. And Ernesto just started walking <laughs> like behind us. And he said, well, now you know. Yeah. And that was his answer. And. We just spent days after that trying to make sense of what we experienced there. What I know, what I understand now, it was a beautiful answer from the water. We just didn't expect it, yeah? So this is, for me, a shaman is a person who dedicates their lives to heal others or to accompany others. And I don't know if it's, so, if it's okay to say for my fellow psychologists, but for me, the psychology is a cousin to the shamanism. It's a what? Cousin? Cousin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Probably, probably the shaman encompasses what we know now as the physician, as the priest, as the psychologist or psychiatrist, or probably we all are cousins in that family of healers. And I, I really want to say that with a lot of respect for our profession. I, I like my profession and I dedicate so many years to my profession twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I really want you to must be like it. <laughs> yeah, I really love it. But I must recognize our limits in that sense. And we don't commit our lives sometimes the way they do. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is why I don't want to even near to call myself shaman or shaman experience or anything like that. Ernesto kicked me out of his training 
because he say it was my time to go. And he also predict that I will be speaking in another language. Mm. I didn't know at that time and I was monolingual in Spanish and I, my life was very good. <laughs> but he say, you are going to leave the country. You are going to talk to big number of people in another language. He didn't say English. And some other person in the group say also, you are going to live in a year. And it didn't make any sense. My life was pretty full and fine. I didn't have any need to leave the country. But I started spending more time with my family and my parents. I dedicated the last year to my family. And sure enough, in the next year, a bunch of quick events kicked me out of the country. And I was starting my life in the United States with no language. Yeah. Mm. So, but I, I kind of knew something was happening to me. He also told me that knowledge comes in periods of seven years. And he said, your seven years finish here. You are going to start another seven years and then another seven years. Yeah. So that helped me for life. It's like, if I ever want to go back or is my time to go back to shamanism training, it will be there when it's my time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, trust the process. Trust the process. Yeah. I call myself priestess though. Mm. I call myself priestess because priestess is the one who hold the healing space for people to heal themselves and who do rituals and mantras and all of this that is needed. Yeah. So, and, and priestess are, can be part of the community or can be part fully live into the church or be part of the community outside. Not any church in particular. Yeah. Any kind of religion, any kind of belief, but we priestesses are the ones who hold this space for people to heal themselves in my experience. So for now I'm happy being a psychologist and sometimes priestess. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So let's talk for a couple minutes about how you work with trauma and how you see trauma through the lens of the shamanic practices that you've learned. What I see trauma is that the, the way I see trauma is that something, some continue, some continuous is broken into our, in, with our soul. Yeah. We have all these theories of trauma, of course. We have all these psychological theories of trauma and you, you and your audience know about that because of your podcast. But I want to focus today in something that is at some point the person lose connection with their soul. And the way I describe a person is they become gray or monochromatic or something. You look at the person, but they don't look in colors anymore. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I see that, I just want in my mind to, to have a picture of the person and how it looks when, how it could look when it's alive and in colors. And I hold onto that picture. And this is all I know. I don't know anything, anything else. I don't know at that moment the treatment plan. I don't know the tools I am going to use. I just want to hold the hope that one day it will become in colors again. 
And actually, in by using guided imagery in Gestalt therapy, first spells, which is the father of the Gestalt therapy, describes that when the person heals themselves or come out of a strong guided imagery, they will see more vividly. They will see in colors. So my clients who are in deep depression or who are with deep trauma, they sometimes don't see in colors. They see life and they see they see this disconnection also outside. When I start working with them and they advance in their treatment, sometimes they even see, they even say in a session, wow, doctor, I didn't notice you have these flowers in the background. Why did I notice so-and-so? Why? And they, probably the flowers were always there. They just didn't notice. Yeah. Yes. Like people often talk about, you know, the feeling as if they're in a fog or when they do Mm -hmm. begin to somewhat awaken from the trauma trance that they were kind of in for years, they'll say, I noticed a bird or there Mm -hmm. was a flower outside or the Mm -hmm. grass was green, you know? Yeah, yeah. I had a a beautiful uh, no, um, story about that. I, I was in a workshop and I was just a workshop for leaders, uh, for leadership. And I was uh, explaining what is active listening to the leaders. And I asked them to go and do the homework in their homes and do active listening and pay attention to everything around them. And this particular person reported the next week that she wanted to do active listening with her beard, with her little pet, yeah? And she went outside and she said, I'm going to do active listening, yeah? I'm going to do, because I, I asked them to pick a, a person or a pet. And her bird was dead. It was actually three days ago that was dead. And she forgot to put food or whatever, yeah, or the, the winter or whatever. And all she was was crying and crying and crying. Because, and then she did the exercise of active listening anyway. Yeah, she was so brave to do the, the active listening. And and she reported back and she say, you know, Carmen, I really don't know how many things in my life have been dead. And I didn't notice until three days later. And it was a very beautiful metaphor. And sometimes with trauma, we don't pay attention to what these other people experience or because we cannot, because we need that energy to to survive, to be in this life. Yeah. So this is what I work. I work once I have that, once I have that picture, then I do every resource I know for that particular person. So can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've seen with people who have trauma? You you talked with me before about the way of understanding out-of-body experience or some of the metaphors that go with the shamanic work that you use in trauma, like what you were just describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in the shamanic world or in the curandera, in the healer's world, they call this uh, lost of the soul, yeah, what we call this fog or this sense of lack of awakening. They call it loss of the soul and they do a soul retrieval. So they go and call, literally call the soul by the name of the person. And they ask the soul to come back to their body. And 
couple times in group therapy or in sessions in group, I have done that. Couple times when I when I do anything else and doesn't work, I go directly to a soul retrieval. And I explain to the person, this is what I am going to do, and I'm going to borrow this technique. Let's see if that works. And most of the times it works. Because the person is willing to and is ready probably to call their soul back. Yeah. So um, also something very simple what I do in therapy session is I always have tea. Always. I have uh, water and hot water ready always for tea. Because sometimes I use herbs, but they select their own tea. And this is tea, commercial tea from the store. Yeah. I don't do my own nothing. They they pick their tea. And for them, it's probably a simple act. For me, is the way of healing with herbs. And I trust their wisdom to, to choose the tea they need at the moment. Or I have hand lotion in my, always with me, lavender, most, most of the time lavender. Uh, and I offer them. And people love the coming to the session and they're like, oh, give me some of your hand lotion. I have very dry hands. <laughs> but when they take the hand lotion and they put it near to their face, the effect of ar- aromatherapy comes into place. Yeah. Or the tea or something like that. So I borrow little things that doesn't have a name. Yeah. They don't have a name in the shamanic world. They just do. Mm. Yeah. And I just use it and doesn't have a name also in my therapy session. I just do with them. Or some clients, they bring food. They feel called to bring food to the session, and they do. And they say, oh, you know, I was thinking about you, and I brought that. And we sit, and we share the food. And this is something for them. And we just stop and bless the food, or something like that. And they feel welcome. And... I know that this is a healing moment and it is not in the in the evidence best practice. <laughs> there is not a manual for that. Because the next questions I can hear is like, what kind of tea? And why do you do that? And how the <laughs> hot water and how many degrees it should be the water and blah blah blah. And like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You just have to do it and see what happens. It's what we do with our children. Yeah. The children is it's sick and you do whatever you can before running to the doctor. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's trusting that there are other ways of connecting and healing. Mm-hmm. That what you brought up about the food, that's really interesting. I know there are a lot of things that people who may be listening are saying, if the client brings food, it's a boundary issue or, you know, you can't accept gifts and things like that. And I've also learned that in certain cultures, sharing food is such a way of connecting, showing trust, you know, mm-hmm. and if it were to be, if you were to say, I'm not hungry, or I don't want any, I don't like this kind of food or anything like that, it would be a huge rupture in the therapeutic alliance. It will be. It will be. In the way I grew up, if the person doesn't eat your food, it means you c- it's not trustworthy. Yeah. The one who won't eat it isn't trustworthy, right? Isn't trustworthy, yeah. Because this means they don't trust you to eat what you prepare. So why you should trust them? So 
if the person brings food and I learn, I learn from my mom to say poquito, if I don't want to eat really, I say poquito, which means very little, thank you. <laughs> because if I say no, I am going to eat it anyway because they will insist hundred times until I say yes. Because they want to trust. Yeah. So if I say poquito, they will give me a little bit and I probably will taste it a little bit. And I am vegetarian. Sometimes I don't, I, and I tell them I'm vegetarian. I don't eat meat. Even though you bring meat, I don't bring, I will not eat it. So, and they don't do that often. Let's say one in every hundred session. Yeah. They, or one every year. Or They don't do that often. But when they do, I don't dare to change that. Yeah, take a tiny taste. Yes. It's not that we eat every time because I believe energy in therapy can contaminate our food as well. So I, I don't encourage people to bring food. It just happened. And if it happened, I respect that. Yeah. yeah. This is what I meant to say. But tea is always there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So much to think about. So much to think about. Yeah. Shamanism has been really helping me to keep open my perspective for new learnings, even in psychology, even with the new science in psychology. As I learn to be open to shamanism, I learn to be open to other things. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way we grow. That's the only way we grow. And shamanism also taught me to be in tune with what goes with me. Because sometimes come and goes. Therapy Therapy theories comes and go, but I learned to be in tune with what is for me. After 25 years in the field of therapy, some not that much things are new anymore, but also I want to learn and just check with me first, yeah, sometimes, uh, before practicing with the client or telling the client anything, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. I wouldn't use a technique I haven't mm -hmm. experienced myself as the participant because for one thing, you have no idea what it feels like to the client. Mm -hmm. You know, you just get something out of a book and you go, I'm going to do this with that yeah. client, you know, and even the simplest things can be so deeply profound in the way uh -huh. that the client experiences it. And you wouldn't know that if you haven't tried it. Yes. I never do or say anything that I did. I, or I didn't try myself. Yeah. Just because even if it didn't work for me and feeling comfortable, but at least I know I survive very well. <laughs> so <laughs> I then I I tell the client, yeah, this is what I do. Probably didn't work for me, but I may work for you. But I always try myself first. Yeah. yeah. It's like feeding children. I will not even even I don't have children. I only cook for me and my husband and my friends and whatever. And even if I'm vegetarian, I always try the chicken or the meat that I cook. Always. Just, just because I want to be sure that it's okay for the ones that I love. Yeah. And it's the same for therapy. Well, you have just explained so much interesting stuff, and I wish we had more time to talk about it. But I think people who are listening are probably like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I talked about a way that people can get more information to learn about what you're discussing with shamanism. Can you tell them about it? Yes, of course they can go. Actually, there is uh, going on in Sounds True, in the company Sounds True right now, mm -hmm. uh, year of the ceremony. 
It's called the year of the ceremony. So people can look for that and train themselves if they want to train more in shamanism. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yes. It's a, it's a very beautiful. I, I register myself and I start listening. It's very beautiful. Is the company sounds true. And of course, there is a lot of readings. There is a book called Bless Me Ultima. Bless with, Me. Bless Me Ultima with Rodolfo Anaya. I can send you the link to that book. Okay. Um, and it's, it explains the life of a healer, of a curandera. Of course, there are many books about shamanism. And there is a whole book in anthology of priestesses um, also. And it's women who are in the field of healing, all kind of professions. All, uh, they, the common thing is women who are uh, uh, priestesses, who they call themselves priestesses. And I have a chapter there. Oh. I have a chart. I publish a chapter with them there. So there is, there is uh, so much information when we want to learn that kind of thing. We just need to let go of preconceptions. Yeah. That's the hardest part. It's very important to say that my training didn't include at all any substance. Like? Um, the, like mushrooms or any ay ayahuasca. ayahuasca. Peyote, peyote or ayahuasca. It didn't include any of that because my my teacher didn't did any of that. So I don't know if I miss the fun part. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, maybe I, next I, time I, around, seven years. Maybe next time in the next seven years. But who knows? It didn't include any of that. And I and I believe just by having mindful, uh, full attention in our brain, we can uh, experience so many things. Just that is enough for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what about the special offering that you have? Yes, I have. And thank you for the idea, Laura. I have a chapter. It's um, eight pages or a little more than eight pages describing my whole experience with Ernesto. And I call it my Mexican shamanism training. This is what I call it. And um, I wrote it because somebody was about to do an anthology of, of women in shamanism. And I was invited to write for it. And this person is not putting it together for now. So I am free to publish and do whatever I want. Yeah. So I am going to put it into a small ebook and share it with your audience. If they, I am going to put it as, a, as an opt-in per your suggestion. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to put it in uh, as an opt-in if you sign for the newsletter on the Emotions in Harmony podcast, then you can get that that chapter is a very beautiful description of my experience in psychology entering the shamanism realm it can be for psychologists it can be for the public in general whoever is interested in the shamanism it includes a little bit of self of disclosure of my life but it enough to to ex, to express or explain my shamanism journey yeah okay that sounds wonderful i know i'm going to be signing up Yes, it is a very beautiful. I, I read it this morning and I just love it again. I read it a couple of years. I wrote it a couple of years ago. So let's let them know one more time. Where can people find you and your podcast? People who are listening and want more Dr. Carmen Roman, where can they go? They can go to www.emotionsinharmony.com. 
www.ashleyhoffman.com. Okay. Yeah. This is the podcast, the name of my podcast and, and the website, and they can find more information there. And they can also go to the Facebook page at, uh, arroba, how do you say, arroba, at, at D-R-A, Carmen Roman. D-R-A stands for doctor in feminine doctora. D-R-A, Carmen Roman. And you need to put the ad at the beginning in Facebook to search for it. Okay. So it can be in your notes. It can be in my notes for people to go and link to it. They can find more if they want to. Yes, I will put that in the notes for mine. And Carmen, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with our audiences today and coming back to be, well, I guess you didn't come back because I was on your podcast. So really, this is your first time being on my podcast, but it's our audience's second time hearing from us together. So thank you so much for doing this again with me today. I'm excited to share this with everyone. Yes, of course. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Dr. Carmen Roman. I thought that was a fascinating conversation and I appreciate Carmen coming back to Therapy Chat to share how she works and how shamanism fits in with her practice. Thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite platform. In case you haven't heard, Therapy Chat should be showing up on Spotify any day now. And I've been looking forward. I haven't seen it so far. But if you use Spotify, you might be excited to check that out. Let me know what you think. And also remember that there is now a Therapy Chat Facebook group. So just go to Facebook and search for Therapy Chat Podcast in the groups. And I would love for you to join us. Follow the instructions to join. It includes signing up for my email list. And I will be happy to interact with you there. We're going to be offering some special things just for members of that group. And exciting plans are in the works. So thanks so much as always for listening. I value your feedback. Please feel free to go to my website and send me a message through the speak pipe button that you'll find there. Take care. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.